tēnei koutou, e tēnei ahi ahi. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman here, Professor Alan Blackman and Leonie Freeman with me this afternoon. First up, and as you heard in the headlines there, the economy has posted strong growth supported by consumer spending and tourism. New Zealand's gross domestic product, GDP, rose 1.7% in the three months ending June after a surprise contraction in the first quarter. The number was at the top end of expectations. The reopening of borders saw a boost in tourism spending and greater activity in the broad services sector underpinned growth. So what does it mean for you and what does it mean for your pocket? With us is Brad Olson, Senior Economist at Infometrics. Kia ora, Brad. Kia ora. First question, have we averted recession? Yes, absolutely, uh, at least according to the technical definition, which is that you have to have it go down twice, uh, one after another. We had one down at the start of the year. Uh, that wasn't great. The Omicron disruptions that came through hit us hard. Uh, coming through, though, into that sort of second quarter of the year, things have obviously gotten a lot better. Um, sort of as expected, we saw that shift in the traffic light uh, down to orange at the start of the quarter. We've, of course, had more people coming through over the borders. All of that are uh, encouraging news, but still, uh, when we look below the headlines, there's still a note of caution. The economy uh, in a still challenging position, um, but we'll take the strong good news for the economy as much as we can in this environment. <laughs> All right, a bit of good news story for once that we've uh, officially, we have averted uh, recession. Brad Olson with us. Um, did you expect it? We, we, we expected uh, that, that growth to continue. We didn't expect it to be fair to be quite as strong. Um, what we did see across market forecasts was quite a range, really, in economic activity expectations. I think the median pick was about 1.0, so 1.7 is actually quite strong. The Reserve Bank, almost, I think, the closest uh, pick alongside, I think, Westpac uh, Bank. But what it, I think what we also all uh, discussed, and, and, you know, the community of economists, is uh, that there's a still a lot of volatility underlying uh, these sort of figures. Interest rates, of course, have gone up. Uh, we know that construction activity had been a more upbeat in some sectors. It had been weaker in others. Retail spending had been challenged uh, by you know, the likes of fuel spending and, and inflation. Uh, the borders were reopening, which was good. So there was a lot in there that was going to move things up and down. And none of us had a particularly strong view on what things would be more uh, influential than others. Right. And, Leone, you're involved this would uh, probably hit you being involved in a property, property council. What have we got here? You've got uh, uh, healthcare and social assistance. That's up 16.2% since COVID hit. Retail, trade and accommodation, that was up in the June quarter, I think 10.3%. Um, property? Yeah, look, I think it's a, um, you know, it's positive to see these this information coming out for the economy. I think, as Brad mentioned, uh, different sectors are impacted in, in different ways. And I, I can see still... Uh, big underlying challenges when I look at inflation, supply chain challenges, uh, construction costs, you know, going up. And then I still wonder, and Brad, I'd be interested in your opinion, when you look um, around the globe and there's still this mass uncertainty of, of issues going on, and I'm always a bit conscious we're a little island, albeit an awesome little island, at the bottom of the world. So if things happen internationally, you know, they will impact us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're completely right on that global front. And, and we are getting increasingly worried about that global position. Uh, we know that China, our largest trading partner, their economic growth expectations are slowing. Now, it doesn't sort of uh, say that there's a catastrophe around the corner, but it might be harder for our economy to grow if our trading partners aren't able to buy quite as much. 
of our staff. What really did get us, and I think we've got to keep in mind here, is that yes, there was a good strong bounce back in tourism. Uh, New Zealand's exports of, of services, so tourism and, and similar, went up. Um, we'd be surprised if they hadn't. We've reopened mm. the borders. But the fact that uh, you know our exports are still in a weak position, in fact, I think on our calculations, goods exports are only recovered about 57% of their rather large drop at the start of this year, suggests when we look through the various numbers that um, it's still challenging to produce in New Zealand. The disruptions from not having enough staff, the supply chain issues and some of the, they are limiting our capacity. So we did well uh, through the second quarter of the year. We could have done a lot better, but to be fair, it could have been a lot worse as well. Mm. Okay, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, and Alan Blackman, uh, I mean, a lot d- does depend in the future on whether foreign tourists and students return to New Zealand mm. in numbers. Oh, oh. And <laughs> uh, Alan, I guess oh, yes. you'll be you'll be sensing that uh, in the area that you work uh, at universities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the foreign students really can't come back too soon. Okay. Um, as, I'm, as I'm sure everyone out there is aware. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I guess just one thing about all of this is that we seem to be doing well compared to the rest of the world. In the article, they're saying Australia was up by 0.9%, the OECD up by 0.4%, and the US down by 0.1%. So, you know, this is this is obviously very, very good news for the country. Um, and, yeah, you're right. I mean, tourists and students, they're going to be our big earners for the foreseeable future, I would mm. imagine. Right. Hey, Brad, um, just coming back to the, the overseas headwinds, I mean, just looking at what you got, you, as Leonie mentioned, the Chinese economy is slowing. But what, the, the big news out of the UK has, of course, been the Queen's death. The other big news I'm seeing is that one forecast suggested inflation could hit 18% in the UK. Um, also, inflation in the US becoming entrenched. What's this going to mean for New Zealand um, in the future? Well, there are a lot of big challenges around that. Uh, We know one of the major drivers of inflation at the moment, particularly in the likes of the UK and wider in Europe, is around energy. Uh, You know, Russia provides a lot of natural gas, and if they don't provide a lot of natural gas, then prices go up. The wider concern with that is that if people are spending a lot more uh, on delivering the same results, that limits further expansion and and further spending. Uh, With reductions or supply constraints as well, you know, if you're not having Germany produce quite as much as it did previously, uh, there's not, it's going to exacerbate the supply chain issues. If we look at America uh, with their, their high levels of inflation and an expectation that inflation remains higher for longer, interest rates will have to continue to go up. And so there's a real tension and a balance here, both here in New Zealand and across the world, of how do you slow the economy back enough so that we don't continue to have these insane price increases that are hitting real households in the pocket each and every day. Yeah. But equally, how do we uh, keep the economy going fast enough that we don't, you know, it's sort of like riding a bike. You, mm. you don't want to go so fast that you go flying over the handlebars, but you also don't want to go so slow that you get the, the wobbles and you start to fall over. You want oh, to good analogy, Brad. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also that issue too, I think that's very, you know, and I was uh, just touching base with a major tourism operator at lunchtime and it's staffing everybody. You know, I know in construction and tourism that it's great we're having all these numbers come back, but we haven't got enough staff. 
Absolutely, and I mean, you look at Queenstown and the conversations yeah. coming out from there. Um, you know, I, I saw an article last night that apparently, you know, teenagers are, are now making some fairly good coin uh, working out in, in various operations. Um, it, it does sort of worry us that, that as well, you know, again, when we look at economic expansion, it's normally how do we get people to spend more? At the mm. moment, it's how do we get enough people to do the work, work. that people want to spend yeah. on? Um, yeah. That will be a, a limit that I think New Zealand will continue to face and bounce up against over the next 12 to 18 months. Now, finally, Brad, um, will this mean higher interest rates? Yes, is the short answer. When we look oh, at the yeah. economic numbers today, um, mm. the, the, yes, it's good that the economy is larger uh, and, and that there is that expansion, but realistically it says that the Reserve Bank still needs to turn down the temperature a bit uh, to get us back from that rolling boil down to a simmer. Um, it probably doesn't make it any worse than we would have thought before today's announcement, so, right. so not necessarily need to go a, a huge amount more, but it will confirm in my mind the Reserve Bank's view that, look, there are some good early signs in the numbers that things might be turning around, but they're not strong enough yet to take our foot off uh, that, that break. Brad Olson, I'm here in Nuakiakwe. Thank you very much for that. All right, there you heard it. Interest rates, Alan, they ain't going down. <laughs> um, okay, prepare yeah, for that. That's, that mm. that's very, very true. Um, yeah. And yeah, that, 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 I, I don't know how economics works. I really don't. I never, I never studied that at school. I'm a chemist, but it seems we get you know the good news with one hand, and then you get the bad news on the other hand. Seventeen pass for the panel. RNZ National. Alan Blackman, Leonie Freeman, with me today. Nothing more frustrating than being affected by a flight cancellation. Have you been affected? Did you get a refund? Did you not get a refund? A campaign has been kicked off for New Zealand Air, Air Fines, and this is domestic we're talking about, New Zealand Airlines to be upfront about passengers' rights, as well as a petition by Consumer NZ, excuse me, demanding... Airlines clearly communicate passengers' rights when flights are disrupted. Consumer NZ said it was working with Air New Zealand and Jetstar to address further concerns. Now, with us is Alan, who has got a story about an international flight first. So, Alan, welcome. Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora. What's your story? Well, we, we were going away about a month ago when we found out about seven hours before we were meant to check in that um, our flight had been cancelled just as we were going to bed. Um, so then we had about a, a two-hour phone call trying to rearrange flights after that. So um, we, we, we got lucky in the end and we did get on a flight to a different location, but we got where we needed to be. But um, it, it was a rather stressful start to our short trip. Nonetheless, um, one of the reasons we're talking about it is just the absolute stress and actually frustration um, uh, when this happens to you, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, and the fact that if if my wife hadn't checked her email, we we would have turned up at the at, at the airport at five, you know, four o'clock in the morning um, to find out that our flight was cancelled at that point. So that that was a big sense of frustration for us, for sure. And what was Alan? What was the reason for the cancellation? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of COVID going around, and I yeah. understood that. And, and yeah. they also said weather, which I thought was a bit, a bit weak, because I know there has been lots of weather incidents, but um, the forecast across the country seemed pretty good on that day to me. Mm. It'd be hard if you uh, were travelling for a for a funeral or a wedding or something or a conference or you know something of a really special occasion. Well, You'd be gutted, you know, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, yeah, we, we were actually going over for, it wasn't anything as important as that, but it was an engagement party of a, a good friend that actually mm. couldn't make my own wedding during COVID because of, of lockdowns and whatnot. So um, we thought it'd be really good to go and, and attend that. And yeah. um, so, you know, we did get there, but, um, and, and to be fair, Air New Zealand did um, allow us to get onto uh, a different flight that enabled us to get there. But I didn't have any idea about what my rights were and what, what we mm. could do or demand, but... Um, I sure as heck didn't want to pay for a whole other yeah. flight, um, well, and, and to be fair, they did get us onto another flight. Kia ora, Alan. Well, you've just you've come to the right place, so stay listening. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do. Look, look forward to it, Wallace. Yeah, and thanks for the course. Uh, and with us is John Duffy, the Chief Executive of Consumer NZ. Kia ora, John. Kia ora, Wallace. How's it going? Very well. So uh, clearly that is an international flight. We're talking about domestic flights here. But the point remains the same, John. Um, The frustration and the sheer luck, I guess, of just checking your email before you went to bed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you really need to hear from me because that that (laughs) summed it up better than I ever could. You know, (laughs) this is absolutely frustrating for people and the communication that, that, you know, Based on complaints we've received, the communication that people are getting from the airlines is not sufficient to let them know with any certainty what their rights are, or indeed, you know, in many cases, why the flight's been cancelled in the first place. And the reason that's critical is that your rights, when a delay or a cancellation occur, hinge specifically on that question. Is it within the airline's control, whatever's happened, or is it outside their control? If it's outside you really don't have very many rights at all. But if it is inside their control, your rights kick in and you're entitled to various things, including compensation and a refund in, in most instances. And on Compo and on, uh, you know, sort of getting your, your money back, a bit of a refund, you say that it can be difficult to the point of impossible to receive fair compensation? It can be very difficult for consumers to, to, to enforce their rights, yes. So we have regularly gone into bat with the airlines um, on behalf of consumers, and it's only when we step in and say, well, actually, we know, we know what the rules are and you're not playing by them, that, that the airlines relent. Now, that's not in every case, and I do need to acknowledge that, um, at least with, with Air New Zealand, we have been working with them to try and improve the information that they're providing to um, consumers and, and we're making some progress there's a way to go with with uh, jetstar um but but yeah consumers yeah. understanding what they're entitled to is, is the critical thing here yeah and i think greg uh, greg Fallon was on a morning report this morning talking about this uh, very issue leone uh, ever been affected by a cancelled flight uh, a delayed flight have to give up um just trying to stay overnight somewhere. Yeah, so no, I have have got caught um, mainly in New Zealand actually with cancelled flights, and uh, yes, as John mentioned, very very stressful trying to still get somewhere, um, but not not a situation with a massive international one. John, I'm just interested to understand what where does the line sit between when your travel insurance would kick in versus the the what the airline would be required to do for a cancelled flight if you've got travel insurance, well, you know. Yeah, so, so look, the airlines have obligations regardless of whether the passenger's insured or not. Right. So um, often uh, we have seen cases where um, the airlines have pushed passengers at their insurer uh, when actually they had obligations to refund or compensate. Mm. Um, so, you know, the best example I can give is when, when a, a flight is delayed or cancelled, 
uh, and it's within the control of the airline. So something like a mechanical failure or mm. um, not being able to staff the plane because you know the pilots have got COVID or something like that, that's within the control of the airline. That's a, that's a scheduling or a maintenance issue. If that happens and you're, I don't know, let's say you're flying Auckland to Wellington and uh, you then have to stay the night in Auckland, you've got to get to and from the airport to get to a hotel, all of those costs fall on the airline because mm. the fault is within their control. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Alan, what about you? Ever been uh, at the mercy of a um, delayed flight, a rescheduled flight? Well, it's not, not really delayed or rescheduled, but I was once in Milan trying to get a flight out to Edinburgh, of all places, and um, I'd organised this trip from New Zealand. And so I get to the airport, and the flight's at nine, get there about sort of seven in the morning and sort of wander around and think, oh, sheesh, things don't look very busy here, and the flight wasn't coming up on the board and everything, and then I sort of ask around, and I'd gone to the wrong airport. So Milan's got two airports, and... Um, <laughs> So there was a crazy female Italian taxi driver who threw me in her taxi and I missed the flight by five minutes at the other airport. So. Okay. <laughs> so different example. Your fault, Alan, your fault. Yeah. Um, just finally, John, I mean, some would say, oh, look, come on, we've had nearly three years of arguably the most disruptive era uh, in flight. Aren't you being a bit tough on the airlines? Um, well, look, there's no denying the fact that the airline industry has suffered some real challenges. Um, but let's remember, what, we're just asking them to be honest and comply with the law here. We're not, we're not asking them to go beyond their legal obligations. We're just asking them to be upfront with people when something happens um, and, and allow them to access their rights that they have at law. And, you know, let's not forget that all of the people who are frustrated and um, being potentially misled by, by, by confusing information out of the airlines, these are the people that the airlines are relying on to get their businesses back up and running by flying with them, right? So it, it's counterintuitive for them not to be treating those people with, with respect and not misleading them about their rights. So All right. I, I don't so really just, buy that argument. Okay, uh, just to communicate uh, with uh, your uh, customers, that's John Duffy, Chief Executive of Consumer uh, NZ there. Thank you. Uh, 26 past four. And by the way, get in touch if you uh, have had a cancelled flight or what have been your experiences. You can text me 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. On a slightly related theme, now yesterday... We talked about Qantas offering an option of having the seat next to you by paying for it. Leaving that seat free, you pay for it. You know, you can stretch out. Verity Johnson, she loved the idea. And I said, well, you never know who you might meet on a flight. And we had some really fascinating feedback, including Tim from Otipoti, who spent most of the flight next to a man, ignoring, ignoring each other for most of the flight. Then something happened. Tim Kia ora, good to have you on. Kia ora, Wallace. Kia te tea, okay. Tell us about uh, Kapai, tell us about your flight. Uh, yeah, well, I'd been in Wellington on March of 2020 uh, for uh, Laurie Anderson, who's one of my favourite artists, and one of the last uh, events I saw live, but also stopped off for a coin auction in Wellington at the same time. And on the flight back, uh, as I was admiring my, my acquisitions, and the, my neighbouring passenger and I were kind of politely and dutifully ignoring each other, 
halfway through, he he closed his laptop and asked, politely inquired uh, if I'd gotten the, the coins at Mowbray's. And I said, well, yeah, I had. He said, oh, that's that's actually my family. They're my in-laws. Oh, yeah, right. That's very interesting. Wow. So a conversation ensued. And I have to say, like, you know, as I, I found Verity's comments interesting because some of the most interesting conversations I've ever had have been with random strangers. And this might not qualify as that, but it was it was entertaining because as we talked about kind of what we did professionally, he mentioned that he was writing a book, what he had been working on his laptop. It was a book about a 19th century Otago professor. And it turns out this guy was also a retired professor from there who taught in public health. Okay, that's quite interesting. And I said, well, this this was on the 8th of March, you understand, in 2020. And I said, well, <laughs> last week I, I referred to the COVID situation as a pandemic. Was, was I premature? And he kind of looked sheepishly at me and he said, well... Here's the thing. No one wants to call it that, but yes, it is. And three days later, it was declared a global pandemic. Oh, my mm, goodness wow. me, Tim. Extraordinary. <laughs> so you got the first word <laughs> um, uh, half a week before everyone else did. Yeah. What an extraordinary... You see? You see? It's good to sit yeah, next yeah. to somebody. I had a question, though, if I could ask. Sure. Uh, how do I get an extra seat for $30? Because what I'd like to do is buy my seat, buy the one beside me for $30, and then cancel my original seat and get a refund so I can fly for $30. Oh! There's a panel listener. There's a panel listener. Always thinking, kia ora, Tim. And with, oh, us, and with us is Chris, who is flying out of St. Petersburg. Kia ora, Chris. Kia ora. What's your story? Uh, I was flying alone, and so I suppose I looked um, reasonably innocuous, and I had the window seat, and the the gen- two gentlemen settled in beside me. And from what I can remember, I think he noticed my passport cover because it's got that lovely fern leaf on it. Yeah. And um, he struck up a conversation, but his English was rudimentary, say the very least. And his boss, who was on the other side, spoke no English at all, so he just nodded at me. Um, and we used Google Translate on my Android phone. <laughs> <laughs> A combination of, um, of of typed and also um, a little bit of uh, audio, and we managed to communicate. And he and his boss were on a way to a conference in England. They were nuclear scientists. Wow. So you were talking to a rocket scientist. You were talking yeah, to a nuclear scientist. Nuclear physicist or nuclear scientist, one or the other, but they were on their way to a big conference. <laughs> I've looked it up today, and there apparently is a nuclear power plant in Belarus, so wow. um, perhaps... They were involved in that. That's amazing. Google Translate, mm. nuclear scientist sitting alongside you, and the power of a good chat, Chris, on the plane. He was, he, it, was, it was absolutely delightful because he was never met anybody from um, the Antipodes before, and he was really curious about New Zealand, <laughs> both from a social and a physical point of view. So it was really nice, you know, really, uh, a really nice conversation to, to be oh, able to have. Yeah. Thank you so much for your um, memories, Chris. Thanks for being part of the panel. Um, Alan Blackman, amazing. Huh? It, is, it, is, it is amazing who you can sit alongside in a plane and the conversations you strike up. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a story. It's probably a bit long, but the long and the short of it was he, <clears throat> he was a German guy. And I said, oh, you know, how do you like New Zealand? And he said, oh, the closer this plane gets to Auckland, the closer it will be to home and I can get out of this horrible country. And so, <laughs> and he just had all the bad luck in the world. He'd just broken up with his fiance and everything in New Zealand. He was going to go around the world for a year with her. They broke up in Hokitika. 
he was on his way back. The food was terrible. The people were terrible. We took him around. We showed him stuff and everything. He had the best damn time he'd ever had. So <laughs> we, we changed his mind about New Zealand. Here's well done. Here's one here. I sat, I sat beside Peggy Lee all the way across the Pacific. She was head to toe in black, including her hat. She never moved a muscle or ate or drank anything. It was in first class. The staff ignored her, possibly under instruction. You're on the panel, <laughs> RNZ Nation. <laughs>